Ladies and gentlemen of the congregation, welcome to another episode of the Motorsports Ministry. In today's service, we're going to be talking about NASCAR's international presence. We're going to be giving a little bit of a preview of Sonoma and what it means not just for the drivers, but for the track itself. And we'll end off the episode with our best bets of the week. So without further ado, let's get started by talking about, for lack of a better term, NASCAR International. That's the term we're going to use to talk about today's topic segment. And really the discussion for NASCAR's international presence really started with the announcement of Project 91, which is Trackhouse Racing's little project where they have a third car, and they use that third car to allow international champions of different racing series to come race in the NASCAR Cup Series. So, for example, when we get to Watkins Glen later in the year, Project 91 will make its Cup Series debut with the addition of Kimi Raikkonen, former Formula One champion. So, it had me thinking... What could NASCAR do to really increase its international presence around the globe? Because even though NASCAR is a predominantly, like, 99% American-based sport, they do have a presence outside the United States. Obviously, you can look at the NASCAR European Series, for example, where Bobby Labonte raced at for a couple years. Actually, might still be racing there to this day. I'm not 100% sure. But I know it was around 2018 or 2020, Somewhere around that time frame, Bobby Labonte was racing that international series in NASCAR. And not just that, the truck series used to race in Canada, obviously Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, not that long ago before the pandemic hit. And then obviously the Xfinity series used to race at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve, which to go a little bit off topic, if NASCAR was to add a seventh road course race to the schedule, the only condition that I would give if that seventh road course is Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. That'd be the only time I would be fine with that we have seven road courses on the schedule. Because that is one of the greatest just tracks in the world. Obviously, Formula One races there for their Canadian Grand Prix. But when even the Xfinity Series ran there, there was always fantastic moments, fantastic racing. There was never a dull moment. So if the Cup Series is looking for another track to add to their schedule, think about going to Gilles Villeneuve. But that's just going a little bit off topic. I just think it's that fantastic of a track. So... To go back on topic, what should NASCAR do to gain more of an international presence? So, I'm going to go over some things and what I think NASCAR could do. Number one, have at least one race outside of the United States. And just a little bit of a disclaimer, this is talking mostly about the Cup Series. I'm not going to talk about Xfinity and I'm not going to be talking about trucks. This is going to be predominantly a for the Cup Series. So, number one, I feel, is they should have one race at least outside of the United States. Whether that's an exhibition race or a points race, if you were to ask me what I think would probably be more beneficial, probably a points-paying race, because with a points-paying race, you know that most likely you're going to have a firm, established presence in the market for many years to come. Whereas with an exhibition race, those are more usually testing grounds when it comes to NASCAR, so... Maybe for the starter, you know, maybe start with an exhibition race and then work your way through a points-paying race. But if you're confident that you could stay in that market for multiple years, put it as a points-paying race of the season. Now, obviously, where it, that race is going to be is also crucial. Obviously, to start, you'd probably want to stay within North America, so it's probably Mexico or Canada. I don't think NASCAR should be trying to go to Japan or Australia just yet because, number one, it's going to be a cost issue. I mean... 
teams are already complaining about costs just going to this side of the country. Imagine the cost issues when traveling from one continent to another. So that's number one. Number two is you do need to have an international driver presence. And I'm talking Formula One drivers, IndyCar drivers. Like, and I'm not talking about drivers like Joseph Newgarden, Alexander Rossi. I'm talking about drivers like Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin. Drivers that are worldwide names need to come into NASCAR. Which, again, we're starting to see that with Kimi Räikkönen in the Project 91. So if you can accomplish those two things as NASCAR, then you, you're going on the right track in terms of the beginning of having an international presence. Now, we talked about what NASCAR should do in order to get more international, really to start off with. In my opinion, though, we shouldn't be asking what NASCAR should do to get more international, but should NASCAR have a bigger have a bigger international presence? Like, should NASCAR, in terms of like one of their main priorities, should that be a focal point to get more international publicity? And in my opinion, it sounds like a, it sounds pretty cut and dry. You're like. Of course, NASCAR should focus on getting the international presence. You want more eyeballs on your sport. It sounds simple, but in my opinion, I don't think NASCAR should. At least not yet. I don't think NASCAR currently at the moment should be focusing on going for an international presence. Why? Because they still need to rebuild their American fan base, the American market. Remember, NASCAR, is they've been on an upward trajectory for the past couple years, but... A lot of people still say that NASCAR is still kind of towards the bottom in terms of their popularity for these past couple years. Again, think about it. No one knows who really 90% of the NASCAR stars are. The only two names that people might know from an outside standpoint is Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson. For reasons I will not discuss. So because NASCAR is still relatively unknown in terms of the mainstream American market, NASCAR needs to... Further what NASCAR needs to do is reestablish the American market first before going international. Make sure you got a firm hold on your American market and a clear presence in America. Because right now, NASCAR does, but it doesn't at the same time. Yes, 99% of their fans are obviously from the United States. Yes, 99 to nearly 100% of all NASCAR's content is in the United States. Yes, they have a foothold in America. But, I'm talking about from a popularity standpoint. Make sure that NASCAR can at least get to a level where it's sustainable to where they have a, to where at least the public knows what NASCAR is and at least knows who most of their drivers are. Once NASCAR gets to that level, then I say that they could focus a little more on an international presence. But the thing is, NASCAR already has their foot in the door when it comes to having an international presence. And look at Daniel Suarez. I mean, Daniel Suarez to NASCAR to Mexico is what Sergio Perez is to Formula One. They're both Mexican drivers, and they're both big, huge household names when it comes to the Mexican market. I guarantee you, when Daniel Suarez wins that NASCAR Cup Series race, and considering the speed that Trackhouse has, maybe it's not this year, but next year, it's a matter of it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when. Imagine when Daniel Suarez is going to win a race in NASCAR. That is going to blow up the Mexican market when it comes from NASCAR. So NASCAR already has their foot in the door when it comes to having an international presence with just one of their drivers. And I even got to Pitbull being one of the team owners of NASCAR. 
say what you want, he may not be really the big, he may not even be as big of a NASCAR presence as even Michael Jordan, but he's still a worldwide name. So NASCAR still has their foot in the door. They have their feet wet when it comes to that international market. Again, it's small, but they still have it. Gaining an international presence is always going to be an important thing. Because again, like I stated previously, more eyeballs on your sport is always going to be better. And NASCAR is no exception. They still have a decent way to go in order to get to the levels that they were in the early 2000s and 2010s. But if they can make some things happen, maybe put an exhibition or a points paying race in a different country, have a better presence when it comes to international drivers, and because they already have their foot in the door when it comes to some of these steps, NASCAR's international presence could be going on the way up. Alright, so let's move on to the next topic, and that's going to be about Sonoma. And, obviously we raced at Sonoma this weekend for the Cup Series and the Truck Series, and this is a very big weekend for Sonoma, because this feels like this is Sonoma's last chance to be viewed at in a favorable light amongst fans. Because Sonoma, for the past couple years, has been viewed at as not only the weakest road course on the schedule, but one of the weakest tracks on the schedule. And with the addition of the carousel back in 2019, that didn't help any favors at all. Because while it is a very technical track, and a lot of fans do appreciate that, myself included, how technical it is for the drivers that have to work and finesse around that track, you don't see that much action, you don't see a lot of passing, and with the addition of stages basically ruining road course race strategy, it's kind of left Sonoma with a, on a bad taste with a lot of fans' mouths once we reach the checkered flag. So this is like a proven race for Sonoma in order whether it's going to be viewed at in a favorable light among fans or not moving forward. I'm not saying Sonoma's going to be taken off the schedule. I'm just saying from a fan's perspective, whether they're going to appreciate Sonoma or not in terms of whether they're going to look forward to once we head into a Sonoma race weekend. Now, one thing Sonoma has an advantage is the next-gen car. The next-gen car we saw with Circuit of the Americas performs very well on road courses, and that's how the next-gen car was just designed to be. So, at the next-gen, it performs similar to Circuit of the Americas, if not better than Coda, then I think that Sonoma's going to have a very good shot at putting on a very good race. And on top of that, we do have a lot of very good and very aggressive road course drivers. I'm thinking drivers like Chase Elliott and Ross Chastain, just to name a few, Drivers who you know will put it all out on the line when it comes to it. I mean, look what A.J. Allmendinger, Alex Bowman, and Ross Chassain did just on the final lap of Circuit of the Americas just a couple months ago. So we could very well see something like that happen again at Sonoma. And I think a lot of people don't realize this. Because Sonoma isn't necessarily that big in terms of miles-wise, I think it's not even two miles long in terms of a track. So not a lot of room, not a lot of time compared to other road courses. Let's say like a Circuit of the Americas or even a Road America, where you have a lot of time to really work through your craft. Sonoma, you don't have that much time, so whatever time you're going to make, you got to make it at the moment, because you, you don't got a lot of it. So that could be an advantage also when it comes to Sonoma. Again, being the second road course race of the year, because teams haven't really figured out the next-gen car, especially on road courses as of yet, because again, this is only race two with this car on a road course, it's going to lend to more being driver-friendly, compared to maybe car-friendly. What do I mean by that? I've said it for ever since the beginning of the season, even before the season, that we can't necessarily judge what the next-gen car is going to provide until, in my opinion, at least the middle of next year, or 
you know, as early as the beginning of the next year. Why? Because teams are going to eventually figure out what these cars can do and relatively quickly and how to trick them, how to make them faster. So not until really we get to the next season is really what we're going to see this next-gen car and what it can do. We saw that with the 2019 package. For the first couple races of the season, for really the first whole 2019 season, the next-gen car, it did not perform at all what people think. People thought the next gen, people thought that the 550 package, I'm, I'm sorry, the 550 package was going to perform in a certain way. And then once we got to the first couple races of the 2019 season, it did not perform like that at all. In fact, the best way I can describe it is the 2019 Coke 600 versus the 2020 Coke 600. The 2019 Coke 600, a lot of fans really enjoyed. The cars were close. You can battle. You can run side by side. It was a very enjoyable race to watch compared to fans. Contrast that to 2020. Where the 2020 Coke 600 was viewed as one of the worst Coca-Cola 600s in history. Basically the exact opposite of the 2019 Coca-Cola 600. Very little passing. Dirty Air played a major factor. And the most dominant drivers were usually up front. There wasn't really a lot going on in terms of that race. Why? Because teams finally figured out the 550 package so they learned to adjust to it. And because of that you saw the style of racing change. So, that's what I'm saying. Because we're still in race two, we're only going to be in race two in terms of road course with this car, we can still take advantage of that in terms of seeing potentially good racing. So Sonoma has also that in terms of having that as an advantage. And on top of that, you do have some drivers like Kevin Harvick and Daniel Suarez, some drivers that have either won at Sonoma or are very good at Sonoma, who maybe are on the outside looking in, in terms of the playoff picture. So you got a lot of good cars, good drivers on the outside looking in that are going to want to make a statement when it comes to Sonoma because really what's Sonoma? Because we got four more road courses left on the schedule after this race, three more before the playoffs. So this could really be a determining factor whether some teams make the playoffs or some teams struggle because how you do at Sonoma is probably how you're going to do for the next three races before we get to the playoffs in terms of road courses. So Sonoma has a lot going for it. But Sonoma also has a lot when it comes to stakes when it comes to it. How this race performs really is going to determine how fans view Sonoma going forward. Are they going to view Sonoma in a favorable light? Or are they not necessarily going to enjoy Sonoma and they're going to put it in the same level that they might put maybe not necessarily Texas, but maybe a track similar to New Hampshire or even a more controversial track like the Indianapolis Road Course. But again, it all hinges on how Sonoma performs when we get to Sunday. Alright, so it's time to end off the episode with my favorite segment of the week, and that is Best Bets of the Week. If you guys don't know how this works, basically I go on different sporting books. 99% of the time I'm going on DraftKings Sportsbook, not sponsored. I just want to get that out of the way. But I go through the betting lines of different races that are going on in the week, and I don't necessarily give you who I think is going to win the race, but who I think you can get the most bang for your buck in terms of placing a bet. So for example, if I pick Lewis Hamilton to win the Algebra Jean Grand Prix, in terms of this segment, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm, I am want to pick him to win the race, but it's who I think has the best chance to win the race in terms of who I think you can get the most bang for your buck for. So, with that being said, we got three races that we're going to discuss today. We got the F1 race at Baku, we got the Truck Series race at Sonoma, and the Cup Series race at Sonoma. So with that, let's just jump straight into it, talking about the Formula 1 race at Baku, where Max Verstappen is currently the favorite at minus 105. Now, normally what my rule is in terms of races is if you're a driver and you're favorite to win in the negatives, basically you pick that driver nine times out of ten. 
I didn't follow that rule, I believe it was either last week or two weeks ago, and I'm going to do the same thing this week because I'm not picking Max Verstappen to win this race. In fact, my favorite in terms of bets to place is Sergio Perez with the third best odds of plus 550. Baku is probably one of, if not Sergio Perez's favorite track. He has multiple podiums there, just thinking of 2016, I believe 2019 as an example, and obviously he's the defending winner there. And last year, Perez, he was still getting accustomed to that Red Bull car. Now, Perez is very much in the championship fight. I believe he's only 25 or 15 points behind Verstappen for the championship lead. You go to one of Perez's best tracks on the schedule, again, where he's the defending winner, where he has multiple podiums in cars that were not podium-contending cars, might I add. Sergio Perez, plus 550 with the third best odds, I think is the best bet to place in terms of winning the race. My least favorite bet... The weird thing about this race is looking at the betting lines is there's not necessarily a out-of-the-box pick or even a least favorite pick that I have for this race because I feel like everyone is perfectly placed. And besides anyone that's a Red Bull or a Ferrari, there's no one who I genuinely think can win the race. So if you had to give me one, I'd, I'd hate to keep picking on this driver, but I'm going to give it to Carlos Sainz again. Um, I mean, again, until he proves to me that he could beat Leclerc just straight up, I'm not going to pick Carlos Sainz in terms of a bet to win a race. And even with the fourth best odds at plus 1,100, I don't want to keep picking on him because I pick Carlos Sainz multiple times as my least favorite bet to place. But Sergio's shown when put when he has to, he can go up against Verstappen. Sainz has not shown that against Charles Leclerc. So Carlos Sainz will probably be my least favorite bet to place. And this is probably the first time in the series I don't have an out-of-the-box pick because everyone else on downwards, I don't see them winning a race. I could say George Russell or Lewis Hamilton, but because this is a engine-powered, this is an engine-friendly track, the Mercedes engine isn't as strong as the Red Bulls or the Ferraris. So, no out-of-the-box pick for this race. Let's move on to the Truck Series race at Sonoma, where Kyle Busch is the favorite at plus 175, and he's my favorite bet to place for this race. It's Kyle Busch. He's in a truck. It's at Sonoma, one of his best tracks. I think he's the best bet to place in terms of winning this weekend. My least favorite bet is going to go to Alex Bowman with the fourth best odds. And the main reason why is just because Alex Bowman, he's a decent road course racer. But compared to the other cup drivers that are racing this weekend, like Ross Chastain and Kyle Busch, and even considering that John Hunter Nemechek is ahead of him, in terms of betting lines, they're tied, but John Nemechek has the edge in terms of breaking the tie. So Alex Bowman, he's probably my least favorite bet to place there. I mean, when the sport, when the sports book don't even feel confident enough to put him ahead of John Hunter Nemechek, even though he's a cup driver, that should tell you something. My out-of-the-box pick is going to go with the driver with the 10th best odds at plus 2,500. That's Kaz Grala. Remember, Kaz Grala is very good at road course races. Probably should have won at, Motors, at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park in 2017 before he was punted by Austin Sindrick. And when he was a relief driver for Austin Dillon in 2020 at the Daytona Road Course, he finished top 10. So Kaz Gala is a very good road course racer. So, cards fall the right way. You can see Kaz Gala move up to the front. I think Kaz Gala is my favorite out-of-the-box pick in terms of Sonoma. Now, finally going on to the Cup Series race at Sonoma with Chase Elliott being the favorite at plus 550. And my favorite bet to place is Mark Truex Jr. at plus 900 with third best odds. Toyota has gotten a lot faster. They're a lot better now than they, compared to a couple weeks ago. Truex is probably the best driver when it comes to Sonoma, having three wins at the track. 
So with the third best odds of plus 900, I like Martin Truex Jr. My least favorite bet to place is the driver with the seventh best odds of plus 1400, and that is Ryan Blaney. Blaney doesn't really strike me out as a road course racer, despite having a win at a road course, being the Charlotte Roval. But there are just some drivers underneath him that I think have a better, I like better odds of. There's some drivers above him with better. I just don't like Ryan Blaney at plus 1400. My favorite out-of-the-box pick is going to go to the driver with the 16th best odds, and that is Daniel Suarez with plus 2,500. Suarez is a good road course racer. He led a lot of laps at Circuit of the Americas, so I think that translating that to Sonoma is a very good chance. So I think that Daniel Suarez with the 16th best odds at plus 2,500 has a great shot to win at the race and will be a great bet to place. So that's going to do it for our best bets of the week, and that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you guys want to listen to the rest of the back catalog of the Motorsport Ministry, just search us up on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Greatly be appreciated. But thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time.